Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. In the synagogue today, we're having an incredible program that we're very, very proud of. It's called Giving the Gift of Warmth, where uh, we ask people in the community that make all these different goods, gloves, scarves, hats, coats, blankets, all the things that someone could ever need to be able to stay cold on the streets of New York for people that are homeless, people that are unfortunately uh, uh, unable to be able to stay warm in these, in these cold months, to be able to also have at least the very bare minimum uh, to survive the cold New York winters. My friends, downstairs as we're speaking, there are volunteers packing those bags, but there are also things that we had to buy that people, no one here actually, no one in the community made. Um, we are roughly, I think it's about 5,000 or 6,000 short from the uh, goal of the project. So if anyone could help us out, um, you could donate the on, online info uh, at ejsny.org backslash donate, or you could just send us an email, um, excuse me, um, ejsny.org backslash donate, uh, or uh, you could send an email to info at ejsny.org and, uh, and tell us what it is that you'd like to donate um, uh, to complete this incredible, incredible mission of chesed and, and tremendous kiddush Hashem for kids, for them to see Jewish people coming and telling them we did this thing for the synagogue, it's unbelievable. Like we mentioned the story in the other day's class uh, about what happened with Haron and Jessica in Costco. Please, if you could be, reach out with generosity and uh, donate to this worthwhile cause of the Safra Synagogue. Uh, we'd appreciate it, and it would be a chilek in this unbelievable mitzvah. Breakfast in the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra Alea Shalom, Lilunishbat Lea Batchana, whose philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. The month of Kobru is dedicated in honor of Rachel Said, uh, donated by her children. And uh, the week of Kobru is sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Finally, Breakfast on the Class today is sponsored by Avram Simmons, dedicated in celebration of the engagement of Dove Friedman and Jamie Sutton. From uh, Kosher Girl to Mr. Dove, uh, if we're doing uh, um, uh, Instagram handles, Ya'ani. Unbelievable. What a zechut to see two blended families, uh, people coming together uh, in, uh, and bringing such simcha, such joy to the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We should be zocheh, livnot, bayit neman b'Yisrael, and as well, livnot echat mechorvot Yerushalayim, like the Gemara says. Let's begin. Our perasha teaches us, ve'iyu haye Sarah me'a shana ve'esrim shana ve'sheva shanim. Sarah lived a uh, hundred years and twenty years and seven years. Those are the years of the life of Sarah. Rashi quotes the famous Gemara that says, Lakach nichtav shana bechol chlal uchlal. Therefore, it wrote the word shana after each category. It doesn't say mea esrim v'sheva shanim. It says mea shana v'esrim shana v'sheva shanim. Why? To teach you that each one of them stands on its own. Shekol echad nidrash le'atzmo. Each one is decided by itself. And the Gemara makes the derasha exactly what it says. These are the years of the life of Sarah, says Rashi, Kulan, all of them, Shavin Litova, are equal Litova for good. When she was 100, she was like 20 with regards to sin. Because a person until the age of 20 uh, is not Hayav on major uh, punishments, on death from heaven for punishments that they, for sins that they do. So therefore, when she was 100, it was like she was 20 in terms of her purity uh, uh, spiritually. And when she was 20, she was like she was 7 in terms of her physical innocence uh, uh, and her physical beauty. Now, 
the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Akiva once came to give a derasha, and he saw that the people were falling asleep. They were getting, they were a little tired. They needed to wake. They needed to wake up. So he he said darash. He was doresh. He said mitpneema Esther. Why did she rule over 127 countries, right? right? Medinot. Why? How come she? Had? Because in the zechut of Sarai Menu, who lived 127 years, Esther ruled over 127 Medinot. And the question the Chachamim answer, the question the Chachamim ask is that what is the connection between what's being implied that because she lived 127 years, <coughs> Esther got 120? What's the value of just being alive? even though it was a hit song by the Bee Gees a long time ago, staying alive is not enough just to acquire you Medinot. What's going on? My friends, um, the Sifarim, the Chachamim, give us an unbelievable answer to this question. Kulan Shavin Letova. All of these years were Shavin, were equal Letova. And I want to explain what this idea means, that they were all equal for the good. You know, when we look at Rachel, at Rivka, when we look at uh, Sarah, we see that there are three of the four imahot who suffered terribly. One of the biggest challenges for a woman in life uh, is not to be able to have children. It's uh, a part of the DNA of a mother is the ability to be able to nurture life. In many ways, much more than a man. Um, the idea, the concept of a woman, as we know that the naming of Adam is Minha Adama, he was taken from the earth. But the name of Chava is associated with her ability to nurture life. That means in the identity of a woman is this concept of nurturing, of bringing something, uh, bringing life to the world. Kihi Hayita Em Kol because she was the mother of all living things. Now the funny thing is, we could have called Adam also an iteration of that thing, same name, because he was the father of all living things. But we don't choose to isolate and identify within man the idea of the fact that he's the father of all living things as much as we do with regards to women. So you see, the concept of children, of bringing life into the world, is something which is a huge part of the essence of what it is to be a woman. And therefore it becomes part of Chava's name. So Abraham suffers. Yitzhak suffers. Yaakov suffers. Sarah suffers. Rivka suffers. Rachel suffers. Everyone but Leah. Leah becomes pregnant almost right away. Why? Because God saw the suffering and the pain that she had, that she was the second favorite, if you will, of Yaakov Avinu. However, what do we find by... Uh, um, by Rivka. Rivka says, you know, if things don't go this way, if this is how I'm suffering with these twins in my stomach, right? Why is this happening to me? Later on, after Esav marries the, uh, the wicked children of the area that they live in, Rivka says to Yitzchak, if Yaakov marries a daughter from the Bnei Chet, from this area, Rishayim, like we have over here, Ba'alei Avodah Zarah, why should I even, I feel like there's no point in me even, live, even living. When it comes to Rachel, Rachel says a very similar question. She says to Yaakov, give me children, if not, I'm dead. You see Rivka, you see Rachel, 
when they suffered with the problem, with issues with their kids, the expression that they communicated was an expression of such deep sorrow, of pain, um, that it made them see their life in such a negative sense that they'd rather not even be alive. Interesting though, that Sarah waits much longer than either of them. But we don't find a single expression of this kind coming out of Sarah's mouth. With all the challenges that she has, we don't find an expression like Lama Lichaim, Lama Anochi, what's going on? We don't find it. Kulan Shavin So for Sarah Imenu, the good days, the bad days, it was all good. She was able to look at life with a, a, such a powerful perspective that she was able to see and feel like whatever it was that she was going through, whatever she was that she had, was good. My friends, because of that, Kulan Shavin all of your years, the good ones, the bad ones, are equal litova. Wow! If that's the case, if that's the case, says Rabbi Akiva, her great great granddaughter Esther Malka should be zocheh be'ezrat Hashem to capture to rule over 127 midinot. Why? What's the idea there? Why 127 midinot? Not just tit for tat that that was how many. Like if Achashverosh had 130 midinot. And Sarah only lived 127, so there will be three that like found, you know, they rebelled, and she didn't rule off. That's not what it means. At the time, Achashverosh lived he, where he lived. He ruled over uh, the, uh, the entirety of the civilized world. That was the power, the extent of his empire at that time. And the concept was that Abraham and Sarah, they were born into this world. They lived in this world with a unique mission to be able to shine a light, to be able to lift uh, the world. Like the Navi says that Am Yisrael is supposed to be or Lagoyim, a light unto the nations. Since that's the case, Bore Olam said, what Sarah shines outward, what Avraham is makrin, what he emanates, what emanates out of Avraham is supposed to change the world. So therefore God gave a Jewess, Esther Malka, the ability to influence all of the countries uh, uh, that of, of the civilized world at the time. That's the idea of Kulan Shavin Tova, my friends. And this is a special shout out <clears throat> to all the moms out there. You know, Avraham Avinu also lived a great life. You know, Yitzhak, Yaakov. But our Chachamim tell us that the power of a mother to influence her children is far greater and far deeper than the influence of, of, of the father. I want to point out one pasuk, interesting pasuk. Shema beni Musar avicha. Ve'al titosh Torah timecha. Musar is a big portion of the Torah. But it's not all of it. That means if I was to choose which is a larger body of knowledge, Musar or Torah. Torah encompasses everything. Torah encompasses mitzvot that are not Musar related. But not only that, we know that Torah encompasses all of the wisdoms of the world. So Shema Beni Musar Avicha, Ve'al Titosh Torat Imecha. The power of a mother to inspire her children, to bring her kids on a very deep level, closer to Torah, to morals, to ethics, to good midot, far outweighs the power of the father. This was true in the old uh, domestic 
you know, situations where mothers were home more of the time than their fathers, than the fathers were. But it also holds true even in the modern day equivalent where you could have both parents out working in a career. You might think that now husband, husband and wife, father, mother, same. No, Chazal tell us that there's something unique about the mother in the way that she can inspire and imbue Torah into the children. It's about the fact that she is a mother. It's about the fact that she is em kolchai. She is his source of life. And therefore, when it comes to something which is rooted in life itself, a mother can give that in a way that no one else can. And I need to explain this concept, and I will by way of an example. <clears throat> you know, they once asked Rav Hutner, who was one of the great thinkers of our generation. You read his sefer, his farim pahad yitzchak, they are unbelievably deep. They once asked him, who was the biggest influence in his life? Now, bear, bear in mind, his rabbis were the great gedolim of the whole generation. Okay? He says, the greatest inspiration for me in my life was my mom. What do you mean? He says, when I was a young boy, I came home from school, uh, you know, uh, one, one day, and I told my mother that we had finished Masechet Babakama. My mother said, you finished the Masechet? Wow. She sets the table, she lights the candles, she prepares a beautiful dinner, she invites everyone over. Then his mother went and she took out of the closet. She'd spent a lot of, they didn't have a lot of money, but they spent, she spent the money that she had to buy a beautiful dress for the upcoming holiday on Pesach. And she was saving it to use for the holiday. This was her special holiday dress that she was going to use, waiting for the first time to make the Shekhianu. He comes to the siyum, Abakama as a child, and he sees his mother has put on this brand new dress that she was saving for the holiday. So he says to his ma, what are you doing ma? Why are you wearing your Pesach dresses? Middle of the week. She says to him, you know what comes, the holiday comes after Pesach is Shavuot. Shavuot is when we receive the Torah. Today, she said, is my personal Shavuot. To see my son accepting the Torah upon himself. A young man who's dedicated himself enough to Torah to sit and finish an entire Masechet. There's no happier day in my year, in my life, no greater holiday for me than tonight. When I saw, he said, how much it meant to my mother that I was learning, I decided that this would be something that I would never give up, that I would never move away from. My friends, hi hayita em kolchai. There's a very interesting halakha. The halakha tells us that everyone, even though there's different minhagim, but generally we do, when you're saying, when you're praying for someone, you're praying for a man, you say, let's say as an example, Shilomo ben Yitzchak, you pray for my success. You pray for my parnasah. You pray for me to, I don't know, score the winning basket in, uh, in our basketball games, right? You pray for Hatzlachat Shilomo ben Yitzchak, downtown three, okay? Uh, you know, Dame, Dame Lillard shot, uh, Steph Curry half court swish, okay? Shilomo ben Yitzchak. But Barmenan, if I'm not feeling so good, how do you pray for me? Shilomo ben Shoshana. A woman you pray for, the woman's name, Bat, her mother's name. A man, the man's name, Ben, his father's name. Unless it's for Rifu'ah Shilema. In which case, we always use the mother's name. Why? Chamovadia writes, 
Because the mother is the source of a person's life force. And therefore, when you're praying for Rifu'at Shulaymah, whose name do you invoke? The mother's name. My friends, that's the reason why Al-Titosh Torah Imecha. Because what does it say about the Torah? Ki hem hayenu ve'orech yamenu. The words of Torah, they are our life force. Et hayim hi lamahazikim ba. We sing and we take out the Torah. It's a tree of life. And since a mother is the source, the life force of a person, when he's not well or when it comes to Torah, we talk about, we mention, we iterate that it comes through Altitosh Torat Imecha. So moms, you have a very special job in this world. Rabbi Hutner, who looked to all the great Gedolim for inspiration, found no better role model than his mama. My friends, the legacy that lets Am Yisrael, the children of the Jewish people, have an impact on the whole world. Like we find by Esther, where does that come from? It comes from having a great-grandmother like Sarah Imenu who could say about the most difficult of times, Kulan Shavim Letova. There's an expression that they give. It says if a person makes a beracha, <coughs> Let's say I make a mizonot, okay, on, uh, on my coffee. So do I, am I fulfill my obligation? No, I don't fulfill my obligation. You can't make a mizonot on, on a coffee. Let's say I make a shehakol on a piece of cake. Do I fulfill my obligation? Yes, bidi'evet. Not supposed to, but bidi'evet. If I did it already, okay, bidi'avad, if you already did it, kalacha is... And on everything, if you if you made a berachav shehakol, yatsa, you fulfill your obligation. Say the chachamim, a beautiful lesson, an expression. And on everything in life, if you make a berachav shehakol, what's the berachav shehakol? Shehakol bidbarod. Everything happened bidvaro according to God's word, according to God's will. Yatsa, if you date, if you say it on everything. Shehakol, on the good, on the bad, that everything comes from God. Yatsa, you wind up fulfilling your obligation in life. My friends, that's why we make a l'chaim at the happiest of moments, but we also make a l'chaim at the saddest of moments. Because at that, in that moment, to be able to make the beracha, Shehakol, Niyavit Baro, is something very special. Kulan, Shavin, Litova. I'll give you one more example of this concept. The Panovich Rav, Rav, uh, Rav Kahanaman was known to be an incredible person, not just because of the Torah that he taught, not just because he set up an amazing yeshiva, one of the greatest yeshivot of our era, of our generation, where great Gedolim were counted amongst the people who taught Torah there, but because he suffered through and went through the Holocaust, lost almost his entire family, lost his entire yeshiva, and was strong enough to be able to start again. My friends, that was the koach of this man, of Rav Kahanaman. He took under his wing all the boys and girls that were saved and that had no parents. The or they were orphans. And he made sure that they had everything that they needed from pillows to blankets to schooling to whatever. So they asked him once how it was, what gave him the strength to be able to live his life in that way. And he thinks 
and he looks nostalgic for a minute, and he thinks back. Again, this is a man who studied uh, under the Chafetz Chaim, under great scholars. He says, I remember when there were three of us back at home as children, and it was a snowy day like it snows only in those Eastern European countries when there's two feet of snow on the ground. But we were very poor, and we only had one pair of children's boots. So we said to ourselves, it's very cold, it's dangerous to walk if you don't have boots in the snow like this. Get hypothermia, you could die. I guess it's a day off school. You know, a snow day in Russia is not like a snow day in America. <laughs> you look outside, you see two flurries back in the day when I was a kid. Turn on the radio, waiting to hear if school was canceled. It's a right? <laughs> in Russia, you know what a school check is? The school snow check? You look at the window, if you could see anything, then you're going to school. If it's all snow, then, okay, then we're not going to go today. My friends, school, they had no one pair of boots. His mother, she only had one pair, so she took the oldest kid to school with his boots. But she took a bag, and in the bag she took the boy's shoes. The Panovich Rav says, and she goes and struggles through the snow to the cheder. And she sits him down on the bench to learn Torah. But then she switches his shoes. And she comes back again. And she puts the boots on the second child. And then she walks again through the snow. And puts on the shoes. And then she comes back again. And she puts on the boots and she takes him again from the boots all the way to the shul, uh, to the school. And now the third kid is sitting there studying Torah. All we had was one pair of boots for the children. And that was enough. And I saw how much it meant to my mother. What do you want to do more in life than make your mama proud of you? To have your mother look at you that way. So a child learns at a very young age what's important to his parents. What his mother's really celebrate. When his mom's going to really crack out the new dad dress. Now what's it about? And in those moments, the child understands that this is something I want to give my whole life to. My friends, according to this, I was thinking maybe there's a beautiful pshat in the Pasuk in Eshet Hayil. And it almost brought me to tears when I thought of it this morning. The Pasuk in Eshet Hayil says, Lo tira le beta mishalek. The people in her house are not worried about snow. Ki chol beta lavush shanim. Because everyone in the house is wearing shanim. Clothes. Clothing that's warm enough. In her house, no one's afraid of the snow. You know why? Because everyone in the house is wearing good, warm clothing. But I thought maybe in the Panovich Rav's house, they read the Pasuk a little bit different. Her home is not afraid of the snow. Because her whole house, with two pairs of boots, the whole house was able to go out in the snow. One pair for the child, and one pair for the mother. He didn't have enough. But kulan shavim it was good enough for them. Oy, the difference in a child's life when they have a good mother. We look back thousands of years later, and we can remember what was great about our grandmother. My friends, Cherish 
the mothers you have. Spend the time telling your mom what is special about her, your grandmother. Make sure that they understand how special they are, they are to you, because the impact that they have on your life sometimes is something you don't notice until it's too late. How many times do you hear someone speaking at a funeral, talking about how much, what they realized about their mother after their mother passed away? The stories that they heard at a shiva, which made them recognize how special their mom was. Ach. The pasuk tells us, Avraham Avraham came to eulogize Sarah and to cry over her. And the letter chaf in the word v'livchota, is small. And I thought to myself, maybe the reason is because oftentimes when a person is saying the hesped, it's before the shiv'ah. And before the shiv'ah, you only say a few things. Because oftentimes, by the time the shiv'ah is over, there are many more things to say. I encourage anyone that Barmanan has a shiv'ah to get out a tape recorder and make sure that when people come, they record each and every story that people say, those are the true family jewels. Those are the things we should be most proud of, not what we own or which building or what real estate or what name brand we represent or whatever else it is that we've accomplished in this world. It's the genes of our parents. It's the messages that we successfully give over to our children that are the things that we can be the most proud of. May Hashem bless us, Be'ezrat Hashem, to live lives of kulan shavin the tova, to communicate to our children always Things are good, and it's true there are things we don't have, but how much do we have? And if a person puts the dagesh, the uh, emphasis on that, then the home that they live and they raise is one that is always filled with joy, with satisfaction, um, and with smiles. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.